ingredient is the fruit of the, the gift of the spirit, which is discernment. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the saying of spirits. It's so missing in the church, so we celebrate anything. Many years ago, a sister came to give a testimony in our church in Lagos. This was many, many years ago. She came to, now, watch it. She comes to the, watch me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I would just thank God. This morning, I was just standing by the road, and I just was standing like that, and a woman just stopped, and I just said to him, hey, can you give me a lift? And he just gave me a lift. Praise God. I saw the way you made your mouth. It's true. That's exactly what I did. Like, Auntie, where's the testimony in this now? You wiggled your buttocks and you flashed your eyelids for a guy. He gave you a ride. Because if I had been there, he wouldn't have given me a ride now. Would he have given me a ride? No. If I both of us had been there, I would have said, Oga, okay. he shaved, I beg. Sissy, show up. It had nothing to do with God. It's your kind of flesh on display. You came to give testimony in church. The day before the crash of the banks, where some bank people were put in jail many years back. The day before, no, the Sunday before, the, the, um, there was a front page thing in the Guardian newspaper. These two people, the two most prominent bank thieves in Nigeria, I mean, there were two others that were not caught, but about four prominent bank thieves. Two of them are running, feeling cool themselves right now. But those two were caught. They, that, this, the weekend edition of the Guardian they were seated in front at the church meeting two days later they were caught now is somebody telling me that we in the church did not know they were thieves come on now what we kidding well one of those people one of those people was arguably the biggest giver to the work of the church in Nigeria arguably he had thousands of pastors on his payroll. Everybody knew he was a thief. They were collecting the money. They <laughs> were collecting the money. Discernment, that gift of the Spirit, is an important one. So let's go back to where we started with Paul. None of these things move me because I've got the supply of the Spirit. You know what the supply of the Spirit is? The supply of the Spirit is actually not the power of the Spirit. Strange enough, I thought it was initially. It was actually the fruit of the Spirit. Because what saw him through was not anointing power. It was character. It was love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, kindness, meekness, gentleness, and faithfulness. That was the energy of the spirit that saw him through everything he was going through. That's why the Bible says, faith worketh how? By love. Faith worketh by love. Young man, young man, sit up. Rule number one. No, shake my hand. When you come to worship class, you don't slouch. Sit up. Oh, rule number two. You don't put your hand in your pocket when you're praising God. Don't worry, I, I used to do that a lot before. Somebody taught me to. Rule number three. You don't wear bones in church except they're medicinal and recommended. Asking. Are they medicinal and recommended? Hmm? <sighs> and those boys that were shadowing girls at the back doing the praise worship, I was seeing you. We're praising God here. Some people were talking to girls at the back. I'm not looking there, I'm just looking this way. So, never thinks I'm looking at them. I saw you. You smile at me with your, your teeth. <laughs> Praise God. See, so this is, you know, this is, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, um, 
it, it's a family. This is where we are. This is where the gifts operate. This is where the ministry flows out from. This is where we grow and we learn things. Right? So, so, when, so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, when we come together, when we come together, these are the things that we do when we are together. This is how we are together. See, the reason why I don't come late to the gathering is because, see, I feel it is disrespectful to the other people if I'm late. Totally. That's just my, that's, that's, I feel just, because we're gathered together, we say, let's meet together. So I'm disrespecting you if I don't show up on time. That's the way that works. Now, so you notice, now, I, you know, I used to say, I, in fact, you invite me to pray in the church, I said, then when does your service start? Usually they say to you, well, around 10 o'clock. Now, you know that's not true. What they're saying to you is, they, they want to go through their formalities and preliminaries. That says, no, when does it start? Because I'd like to be there at the beginning so I can be part of the spirit of the church. Because I'm not just coming to preach, I'm also part of the service. If someone says to me, what church did you attend on, what's it, is it? What would I say? Hey, that's what I attended now. <laughs> then he said, what did you learn? Abby? So I tell them what I learned now. Even if it was I said myself, but at least I learned it. <laughs> See, that's the advantage that preachers have, actually, because you hear this thing twice. I prepare this stuff, and I'm listening to it again. I record it, I'm here to say it again. So I'm learning all the time. All the time. Praise God. So, we have the gifts of the Spirit, in First Corinthians 12, we have the congregational ministry gifts in Romans 12. Then we have the, the translocal ministry gifts in Ephesians 4. Then we have some gifts also mentioned in First Peter 4. So some of you read the chapters, some of you didn't. Please go home and read the chapters. Um, I recorded, these are my notes. You know, I said yesterday, last Sunday I came with 27, I'll be 38 pages of notes. So I recorded everything, actually, on the audio. So I, I think you have them on your platform? Yes. Pastor Kevin put them on the platform there so you can all listen to it. I did that so that we can just talk freely and go through some stuff. You know, in 1989, December 18th, 1989, I went back to England. And so, you know, I'm going... On the flight, that was when we had Nigeria Airways. Nigeria Airways was very good then. My ticket, my, the, the ticket was 800 naira. <laughs> the full ticket, 800 naira, and it was good, all of that. So on the flight, we're going, so I'm going to settle in England and all of that. And so I'm reading Psalm 119. I'm just reading in the, in the plane there, I'm reading Psalm 119. Then I get to a place that says, I am like. Um, I am like a shadow in the smoke. Something like this, this some expression like that. And I begin, I'm like a stranger in the land. I'm a stranger in the land. That's the thing. God, I began to cry. I was crying. I was, I'm like a stranger in the land. Lord, you know what's going to happen? And then this lovely air hostess, I can still remember, older woman with full hair. Her hair was lots of hair, but she just combed it out. She, didn't, she came up to me and says, are you okay? And I think she was a Christian. I think she was obviously a Christian. Spoke to me and all of that. I remember that. And I got to England 18th of December, 1989. And, of course, as you do, this on a Saturday, I think it was. Looked for a church. Started fellowshiping somewhere. Just almost the next day, I was fellowshiping somewhere. Then we did, then I started a ministry and that ministry was a, it was a prayer ministry. So we're holding, wait for it, we're holding night vigils every Friday night for one year. Every Friday night from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. every Friday night. Just praying. Praying for the nations. Just praying. That's what we're doing. What's called the family altar. What's revived your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years to make known, but in judgment, remember mercy from Habakkuk. That's what we're doing. Then after that, I felt God saying to me that we should now turn it into a church. So, prayed about it, had a church service, one service. 
The next day I'm praying, God says to me, shut this thing down. I'm going to look for Paul Ginotti. Have you ever heard of Paul Ginotti before? Okay. He was a major, major, major minister in Nigeria before he went to England. He was a four square minister. Big man. So, and now, this is 1989, 1990. The last time I saw Paul Ginotti was 1980. Ten years before then. I had been to a meeting in Benin. He was preaching there, so I attended the meeting. And guess what he was talking about, incidentally? He was talking about the gifts of the Spirit. That meeting in 1980. I was 17 years old, I remember. That's what he was teaching on that day. So that's the first time I, I seen him. So he says, go and look for Paul Ginardu. He's in the city here. So I shut it down, asked around, so they told me where it was. So one Sunday, I showed up at the church. He had just started a new church in England then. So just a few people in a school hall. So I showed up. After the service, I went up to him and introduced myself to him. So he said, okay, give me an appointment. I met in his house. So I, you know, we talked. And I said to him, this is what God said to me, that I should shut down what I was doing and come and be with him. And we talked, we prayed. He said, yeah, okay, he has a witness to that. So he, then said, so he then said to me, so what do we do now? I said to him, so what do we do now? He then said, just be coming. That's all. Just be coming to church. Now remember, by this time, I was already an ordained minister. I'd preached and done radio, done television, done big city crusades, done all sorts of things. I'd done all sorts of things in Nigeria before I went to England. I'd done all sorts of things. Been through Bible school, head of Bible school, done all sorts of things, right? Before I went to England. But he doesn't know me. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm some journey just come that walked up the street. So I, so I got to the church. First Sunday, or second Sunday now, I sat down there, and as he's preaching and all that, God speaks to me and says, this is the message, this is going to be your first message in this church. So while he's talking, I write an outline of the message I'm going to preach whenever I'm asked to preach in that church. So I put that in my notebook. Then the second Sunday, the third Sunday now, I'm there. Halfway through the service, now I'm, trying, I'm, tracing, I'm showing you how you discover uncover, develop a ministry. This is what I'm trying to show you. So by this third Sunday, midway through the service, I stand up. So I said to my wife, you know what? I can just sit down here and not do anything. So she holds me, sit down. I stand up. So I step out of the church and here's what I know. Now remember where I am, right? I'm an ordained minister, I'm a preacher, I'm called, I'm all of these wonderful things that people are supposed to be. But they don't know me in that church. As far as that church is concerned, I'm a non-entity. Come on now. I know some of you don't like that for you. I'm a non-entity. Remind me, I dealt with one of my uh, associates about that, but I'll, do, I'll remember that. So, <laughs> so I stood up, and then I knew that for most startup churches, the one place where they have problems is children's church. Not children's church, in fact, baby's church, like that one there. Baby's church. Because nobody wants to go and spend time with the babies. So I knew they would be short of workers. So I came out and I says, where is your children's church? So I says, it's in the basement. So I went to the basement and true to what I've, I saw, there were babies running all over the place and nobody to look after them. Just one or two people. So I now became a children's worker. I became a children's worker. I did not wait for somebody to give me a job. Come on now. I am a minister. What do ministers do? They minister. They serve. So I was looking for a place to serve. And I was not contesting for the pulpit with Brother Paul Ginotti. Though I'm primarily a pulpit minister. That's what I was called to do. Right? But I'm in that local assembly. What can I do? That's the question the minister asks. What can I do? How can I serve? How can I help? So more important, my friends, listen to me. More important than knowing your definitions. There's so many young people. The thing freaks me out. The number of young people that call themselves apostles all over the place. 
apostle, prophet, they're all over Facebook. A lot of them spewing rubbish. But apostle, apostle, prophet. Pastor is not good enough anymore. No, pastor is apostle or prophet. The issue, my friends, is not in the definition. The issue is in the service, in the serving. Right? So I went there and for, that's what I was doing. I was looking after the children. So every Sunday, I'm there quickly. You know, I, I'll come with, um, with combs and with cream and with chocolates and sweets in my pocket. Right? You know, just, yeah. And then see, I just, I just popped that song. I used to sing then that all the children would be following me all over singing the song with me whenever they see me. That's what I was doing. And then a few weeks later, I got a call. Someone says to me, oh, um, Brother Ode, would you like to lead the prayer meeting before service? I said, okay. <laughs> okay. Shortly after, I got a call. Would you like to teach one of the Bible study classes? I said, okay. Several weeks later, I got a call from Brother Paul now. Ode. You're preaching next Sunday. And I said, okay. <laughs> Aren't you surprised? No, sir. Because the first service I attended, I wrote down the service that someone was going to preach when he called me to Jesus. So I showed him. But you understand, that was not, see, the issue was not that. The issue was the service. See, I know what I am already. I'm a teacher. I'm a pastor. That's what I am. You know, that's what I am. But the fact that I'm Cleaning the noses of children and changing their diapers doesn't change the fact that what I am. What I am primarily more than an apostle, pastor, teacher is a minister, a servant, a servant. I'm here to serve. That's the job. That's the job. See, this is why I quarrel with this popular definition of leadership. Is everywhere. Leadership is influence. No! Leadership is not influence. Jesus didn't say that. John Maxwell did. We carried it. No, no, it's not. Leadership is service. That's what Jesus said. Is it because we think this is influence, we're looking for the most important place to influence? No! This is not influence. To all these our young men running around, they seem to say, you know, if you want to get to a position of influence, ah! It vexes me. That's not the end game. That's not what we're doing here. The end game is that, No! Jesus said two things. He said many things, but this two. Listen to this one. It says, I'm amongst you. How? As one who serves. Jesus. I am amongst you as one who serves. Two. The Son of Man has not come to be served. No! Many of us want the titles because their perks go with it. That's why we're so crazy. I'm a man, an apostle. You're... So one of the... <laughs> you know my girl who prayed that God would give her a husband that would love pastor and be a member of a church that are rebuked? Guess what? God answered her prayer. Interesting enough. Because the guy she eventually got married to, she's married to now for about 20 years now, 17, 18 years now, I went to teach in a Bible school in another church in London. So I'm teaching there, so my first class. After the class, this young man steps up to me, says, sir, you are the man I've been looking for all my life. I need help. That's what he said to me, seriously. I need help. I need mentoring. I need, I'm, my life is a mess. I'm an assistant pastor in some church. All of them told me that. So I had, there's this book I had with him, so I gave him the book. And I told him to come and see me, you know, 
And a long story short, yeah, that boy now came to the church, and I wasn't there. Guess who was there? Sister Remy, who was my secretary. That's how they were not doing these things behind my back. I didn't. <laughs> anyway, it all developed, and it was wonderful. Their marriage, I mean, fantastic. Married. In fact, um, Auntie Tokumba stays, well, they, they stay in the same place in England. The North is there together there. Anyway, but here's the story. So, you know, this guy comes into church. So he now comes to a church. So now here's the thing, isn't it? So he loves Pastor Oden. He now comes to a church. Of course, he now loves Pastor Oden's secretary, which doesn't hurt. So he now becomes a, a part of the church. But now he comes to the church with this air. I'm an assistant pastor. <laughs> uh, so I decided to teach him a lesson by the help of the Holy Ghost. Because the air, Pastor DG, Pastor. So, so one says, stand up. So you see the chapter? His name is DG. He's not Pastor DG. Wherever he was before in this church is a non entity. Now, you see the difference? I knew that. Nobody had to tell me. You understand what I'm saying? I knew that when I left Lagos, Nigeria, and went to London, England, and joined this church, I was a non-entity. Everything I'd done before was history. Nobody knew it. So I could not go down the base of, I had nothing. I was a non-entity. I had to prove myself. God had helped me now, but this young man didn't know that. So I know how to help him. <laughs> See, if we had allowed God to help him, I would not have had to help him. But I had to help him. I had to stand up. To so see this fellow here. His name is Deji. He's not a pastor. So please do not call him pastor anybody. Secondly, he's a brother. But even that, the jury is still out. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> he told me later that he died. <laughs> he said that he died. Ah, Pastor, you killed me. He just died. So well, that's the point. You need to die to yourself and die to your flesh. But you know the good thing about him? You know what most people have done in that situation? They have left the church. He didn't. He stayed. He has his own ministry, powerful ministry, there in England right now. He stayed. Because at least he understood something. He died. He told me, he said, that pastor, you, you literally tore me to pieces, damn, and then you don't put me back together again. I said, that's, 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 that's it. That's, that's it. See, that's what we don't want to understand. That's what we, so when we think about ministry, we are thinking about the titles and what we think are the perks. When I tell my bishop friends, and they don't like me when I say this, say, listen, my friend, bishop is not a promotion. The word for pastor in the Bible is poemen or shepherd. The word for elder is presbyteros. The word for bishop is episcopus. Those three words are used together. They mean the same thing. So, I, I, Odeworisha, Andrew Ishagare Eyoibo Korobolo, can call myself now Bishop Ode, because I am. I don't need anybody to give me a stick or a cross or to pour oil on my head. I'm a pastor. Of the, I'm the Bishop of Ezra House. I'm not the Bishop of this one, I'm the Bishop of Ezra House. So, here's, here's where it gets interesting, right? Here's where it gets interesting. Because I'm, the, I, as, because I'm the bishop of Ezra House, I cannot come here and be pulling rank. I'm a bishop. There's no such thing. You're not a bishop of the body of Christ. You're a bishop of your local assembly. <laughs> Once you understand that it delivers you from self-aggrandizing pride and a hunger for things. The key thing, my friends, whether you're apostle or apostolic, 
whether you're a prophet or prophetic, whether you're a, a, a pastor or pastoral, whether you're an evangelist or evangelistic, whether you're a teacher or, or didactic, whatever it is, whether, whatever you are, the key thing is not the thing itself. The thing is you're serving people with that thing. So the Son of Man came to serve. How? By laying down his life as a ransom for many. Right? I was ordaining people. Listen to me. I was ordaining people as ministers of the toilet. Cleaning the toilet. Smile. Because you do not understand how important a clean toilet is until you see a bad toilet. My life changed. My ministry entered into that new dimension when I was, I was preaching in Nairobi. Did I tell you guys the story? I was preaching in Nairobi. Just before they called me, I said, let me use the toilet. I got to the toilet. Ah! I saw worms and maggots. Oh, God. Oh, God. I got healed immediately. Whatever I wanted to do, dried up. Ah! So I came back, half of my message that day was on toilets. I have a chapter in one of my books on toilets. On the vital importance of toilet ministry. <laughs> See, what happens that we've, we've mystified ministry. We've made it into something Mysterious. Ministry is service. Come on now. Come on now. Everything that you have that you can serve the people with is a gift. It's an anointed of God. It's a gift. My first secretary, this same Remy girl, let me talk to you about I came to church one Sunday and I said, you know, I need a secretary, somebody to work for me. Sunday service. So after service, this young lady comes up to me. Now, here's what's interesting. See what I'm talking about? Service, ministry. That was her first day in the church. She was a visitor. She was a visitor. I said I wanted a, a secretary. She was a visitor. She came to me and said, sir, um, I don't mind helping you with that, sir. A visitor. <laughs> I said I became my secretary for several years. All my, both of my books and things, she did a, for several years. She was working with me as my secretary. Now here's the interesting thing. She couldn't type to save her life. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't know, she didn't know anything about the work. But you know what she had? She has a willing heart. So she went to learn. She went to learn. She had a willing heart. All right, let me talk about that. Ladies, look, look at me, look at me. Ladies can cross their legs, right? But they cross from their ankles. Ladies, you're a lady. <laughs> Gentlemen cannot cross their legs in a garden like this. Hmm? And when they sit now, they put their legs together. See? <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? I know you are. You look really happy. This one, I'm not sure. <laughs> He's wondering, ha. Huh. So we came to learn etiquette in church today. Okay, oh, there is God, oh. <laughs> Praise God. The thing that she had a heart of service. And through that service, she actually developed a business. She set up a secretarial bureau and consultancy in London. Through that service. So that's where it starts. It's always with the heart. So the prayer is, Lord, give me a heart of service. It's actually not, Lord, make me an apostle. or make, No, no. Just give me a heart of service. Then here's what happens. As you begin to serve now, things begin to unfold. Things begin to unfold. 
excuse me, I negotiated hello for one hour last Sunday. Pastor said he was going to give me one hour. Have I done what? Have I done 55 minutes already? Have I done 55 minutes already? I've done 45 minutes. Change that your tag, my friend. Because <laughs> Pastor told me specifically, where is she? She's gone out again. She told me she's going to give me one hour, so change it. It's 20 minutes. Your watch is not correct. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Well done. <laughs> so the key, so the, the, the point is the heart. So the prayer is, Lord, and that's the prayer we're going to pray, give me a heart of service. The definitions are simple. It's that's the prayer. Give me a heart of service. And then let me tell you what's the other part of prayer. Give me a heart of faith. Because you understand that you cannot serve except by faith to step out and do what needs to be done. Whether it is ministry service or even the gifts of the Spirit. You know how we teach people to operate the gifts of the Spirit? We don't know how we activate the gifts of the Spirit. Right? It's all by faith. So I said somebody, I say, you know, I said somebody says, um, prophesy. Uh, <laughs> what? But see, that's it, isn't it? Because when I said the word prophesy, it was like I released a word of faith into you. That stirred up something on the inside, or that's the way it works. So when I said that word prophesy, and you receive the word, what you then do is, whatever is in your heart, you just say it out by faith. That's the way it works. And that's how we've done that. I mean, I remember the particular lady in one of our fellowships. I said to her, I said, you're prophesying today. Ha, pastor, prophesy. So she started, then interpreted, it's good. It was rubbish. But you know what worked for it? Because she stepped out in faith. So every fellowship, I'll give her the word, prophesy. Guess what happened? I mean, suddenly now things changed. And it's now became one of our most, how do you say, powerful, potent, prophetic people in the fellowship because we activated it. Now, remember, I just say imparted. I told, I told you guys the other time nobody imparts anything to anybody. Hear me, I know this goes against the grain of a lot of what we've heard, but sure. Hear me. This new covenant. That's why I say read your Bible. That operated under the old covenant. In the new covenant, you, my dear girl, look at me, you have everything inside you. Because you are the because the Holy Ghost is inside you, in full. Everything is there. Come on now. So when I say prophesy, I'm not giving you prophecy. I'm saying that's it. When, that's what, see, when we ordain somebody, an ordination is not a confirmment of something. An ordination is a recognition of something. So if I ordain you a pastor, because I've recognized that pastoral ministry. So sometimes you might not even know it yourself. So it might take somebody else to say, this is the Office, this is what you're praying. But I take somebody else to say that to help you. But to say that I'm giving you something is a fallacy. It's a self-aggrandizing fallacy. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> because you are there, you, you got it. I, I know, I'm, and it grieves my heart because again, a lot of the messages we're hearing today. You know, there's nothing new about them. You know, if you've been a Christian as long as I've been a Christian for about 40 years, so you've seen a lot of cycles, a lot of things come and go, right? You know, this hyper grace thing where anything goes, we saw it. It's just an, it's just an old recycled demon that's coming up. Then suddenly now, we're now seeing these people that are dividing the church into categories, into classes. So I had one of these chaps yesterday. The Bible says, we are the circumcision, Philippians 3 3. We are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit, rejoicing in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. And what does my man say? Excuse me, 
it is not all of us that are the circumcision. Ha! How? Because suddenly now we're grading these things. No. We are. That is our description. That is our setting. We are the circumcision. We are the circumcision. We have no, we are the ones that have no confidence in the flesh. We rejoice in Christ. That's we. That's who we are. That's our identity. But somebody then introduces works religion to create a separation. And that's what you know about that because when Paul was writing to the Colossians, there was a problem they had in the church. They divided the church into two groups. One group they called the Numatikoi. Another group they called the Sukikoi. So when I break it up, you get the words. What's Numa? Numa is spirit. What's Suke? So, so here's what I said. We are the Numatikoi. We are the spirit Jim Jim people. They want to have revelation. For the revelation is so strong, it has become revolution. Then the rest of you are the Sukikoi. And Paul says, no! No! It says that Christ in you. That is the hope of glory for all of you. Those distinctions are not right. We put people in bondage. We tie them up. Because you understand that identity is destiny. Hear this. When you know your identity, it defines and forms you. When you say, it says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are. That's your identity. And when you rise up in that, sin cannot stand you. It can stand you. It can stand you. Because when it comes, your identity rises up and says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I cannot be found to do this kind of thing. That's who I am. All right. I need to finish. Read Ephesians. It will tell you who you are in Christ. Read Colossians. It will tell you who Christ is in you. Read Galatians. It will tell you that you're free in Christ. Read Philippians. It will tell you about the joy of the Lord that is your strength. If you know who you are in Christ, and that includes your ministry, by the way, because it's in there. If you know who you are in Christ, if you know who Christ is in you, if you know your freedom in Christ, that you're free from sin, sickness, poverty, death, fear, failure, frustration, if you know your freedom in Christ, and if you know the joy of the Lord that is your strength, no devil can stand against you. None. Because identity is destiny. When you know those things. Since I know that I know that I know that I'm a son of God. I've got the life of God. I've got the genes of God. I've got the nature of God. I've got Zoe, the life of God. I know this. In fact, I know it. I'm not believing it anymore. It's not a matter of faith anymore. I know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have, 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 have Zoe. The life of God, the nature of God, the genes of God, the DNA of God, the ability of God, the capacity of God, the capability of God. That's what you have. If you're born again, that's, that's you. That's your identity. <laughs> Hello, Pastor Keller. How are you? I told them you gave me more time. They've done... I did, yeah, they, they, they've done quite well. Well, there you go. <laughs> Praise God. Rise to your feet, please. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou createst the earth, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God, even from everlasting 
to everlasting thou art God before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou createst the earth even from everlasting to everlasting thou art God even from everlasting to everlasting Thou art God, even from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God, Lord. Thou hast been a dwelling place from generations old. Lord, oh Lord, thou hast From generations old Before the mountains were brought forth Or ever thou createst the earth Even from everlasting To everlasting Thou art God Even from everlasting To everlasting Thou art God, even from everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God. All around, like by Jehovah, You are mighty. All around, like by Jehovah, You are mighty. Shabi walo for Juaran Shashabara. So be all for Juaran Shashabara. All our road, I you, oh, you are mighty. All our road, I you, oh, you are mighty. All our road, I you, oh, you are mighty. So be all for Juaran Shashabara. Thank you, Father. Say this with me. I am a prisoner of Christ. I serve the Lord. I lead a life worthy of my calling. I have been called by God. I am always humble and gentle. I am patient with others. I make allowances for other people's faults because of the love of God, which is exploded abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit I make every effort to keep myself united in the spirit with others I bind myself together with them with peace as a belt I recognize one body of Christ I recognize one spirit of God I recognize a corporate calling to one glorious hope for and in the future. We have one Lord, we have one faith, we have one baptism, we have one God, we have one Father of all, for all who are in Christ. He is over all, He is in all and lives through all I have been given a special gift through the generosity of Christ when he ascended to the heights he gave me gifts he gave opportunities to manifest him in various ways we are all gifted to one degree or another 
some with this and others with that the sum of the gift sharing its completeness my Lord Jesus Christ fills the entire universe with himself in this whole spectrum of giftings some of us are apostles others prophets evangelists pastors teachers we are gifted on purpose our responsibility my responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work to build up the church to nurture and nourish the body of Christ this is our job this is my job and will continue until we all come to unity faith and knowledge until we mature in the Lord and measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ I declare I declare I declare I declare that I am no longer immature that I will not be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching I will not be influenced when people try to trick me when lies so clever they sound like the truth I will speak the truth I will speak the truth in love I will grow in every way more and more like Christ with the head of his body the church I am a perfect fit in the body of Christ fit together perfectly I do my own special work I do my own special work I help the other parts grow the whole body of Christ is healthy the body is growing and full of love I live as a child of light I do not live as the unbelievers do I live in a state of wisdom and hope-filled clarity my mind is full of light I am a meaningful specific and not a wandering generality my life has lived in God my heart is open to and engaged with the Lord I have a highly developed sense of decency and decorum I live to please God I delight in him I eagerly practice every fruit and gift of the Spirit I'm a student a disciple of Christ I've heard about Jesus I have heard him I have heard him I have learned the truth that comes from him I have come to him and I've been taught meekness humility and lowliness in heart I have thrown off my old and sinful nature I have thrown off my former way of life a life of lust deception and corruption the Spirit of God constantly renews my thoughts and my attitudes I put on my new nature in Christ I am created to be like God to be truly righteous to be truly holy I have stopped telling lies I speak only the truth I do not let anger control me I am not quick tempered I'm not bad tempered I am not touchy I am not irritable I am not rude 
I am not snide. I'm not flippant. I'm not wrathful. I do not give place to the devil. All my spiritual, emotional, psychological terrain and topography are occupied by God. I do not steal money, ideas, my employer's time. I use my hands and my head for good, hard, smart work and business. I give generously to others in need. I do not use foul or abusive language. Everything I say is good and helpful. My words are a constant encouragement to all my hearers. I bring joy and delight to God's Holy Spirit by the way I live. I am identified as His own. My salvation on the day of redemption is guaranteed. I am free. I am free. I am free. I am free from all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. I am free. I am free from all types of evil behavior. I am kind. I am tender-hearted. I am forgiven in much the same way as God through Christ has forgiven me. I am blessed and truly thankful. I am blessed and highly favored. I am empowered to prosper. I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. I am strengthened with might in my inner man by the Holy Ghost. The joy of the Lord. 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 The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I have the supply of the Spirit. I have the energy supplied by the Holy Ghost. I have the comfort of the scriptures. I have the prayers of the saints. I have the prayers of Jesus for me. I have my prayers for myself. So nothing moves me. Nothing moves me. Nothing moves me. I am strong in the Lord. I am stable. I have love. I have joy. I have peace. I have a self-controlled mind. I have a stable mind. My mind is right. My heart is right. My eyes are right. The joy of the Lord. 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 The love of God is exploded abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. And so I thank you, Father. I thank you, Son. I thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, jam those hands together for the Lord.